welcome to Table Radio. My name is Anna Spray, and this is our fifth theme in our Rooted series, Spiritual Inbreaking. The following is my sermon from our Big Table service on Sunday, February 14th. Enjoy. Hi there, Table friends. Um, excited to come and talk to you tonight about this new um, part of our Rooted series, the fifth theme of our Rooted series, actually, and that is spiritual inbreaking. And this term may seem a little bit puzzling at first, but really what we're talking about is the expectation that we expect God is with us. He is living and active. He is changing us and the world around us while we worship and interact with him. And we believe that as we meet, even virtually, God is at work in and among us. And in fact, this was part of doing church online that I was initially worried about um, because there is an intimacy to our worship life that I wasn't really comfortable exposing online. (laughs) And it's funny to think of that now because we've been doing this format for so many months. Um, But initially, I really wasn't very comfortable with it. And of course, over time, I learned, as maybe some of you have, that God is present with us no matter what my fears or expectations might be. As Christians, we believe God is always present. Jesus is not just some historical figure that lived in the past, but he is here with us today. And the way he is present with us is through the Holy Spirit. So tonight, I want to look together at a text where Jesus introduces the Spirit to us and how the Holy Spirit operates in us and in the world. So um, if you're at home and have your Bibles or your Bible apps in front of you, I want you to open to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 26 together. And I'm going to keep kind of coming back to the text, so if you can have it in front of you to look at, that would be helpful. So this is John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more into Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, 
give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. This is the word of the Lord. So, this text is well known for many good reasons. Firstly, this is a theological conversation between a Samaritan woman and a Messianic Jewish Messiah. Men and women having complex theological discussions did not generally happen in biblical times. Multiple social and religious rules are being broken here because Jesus wants this woman to know how to worship him. And as he explains to her, there are two important criteria for worshiping God. First, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And secondly, the truth, the word of God. The gospel of John uh, calls Jesus the word because he embodies within him all that God has spoken. Jesus is the physical truth of God given for all of us to know. For us here at the table, God's word is also represented in our liturgy. As Andy led us in prayers tonight, um, the written prayers we say each week give a biblical foundation and structure to our worship. So that is how both the spirit and the truth are present in our worship here. Now, the text tells us many barriers had to be surmounted so this very conversation could take place. First, it says Jesus had to leave Jerusalem. He had to go to Galilee by way of Samaria. Now, typically, faithful Jews made it a point to not go to Samaria. They avoided it at all, at all costs for reasons of purification because they didn't want to be labeled as being unclean because that place and its people were considered unclean. Samaritans were people from other lands, Gentiles. They came from Babylon, Ava, Hamath, all kinds of places and they were placed in the northern territory of the Jews. They occupied part of the promised land. And they then combined their worship of foreign gods with the worship of the God of Israel. So it created this sort of pluralistic, polytheistic mix. It wasn't true Judaism. This religious pluralism rendered them unclean by Jewish standards. And so they weren't allowed to be in the temple in Jerusalem and they weren't considered to be authentically Jewish. 
Samaritans also only read the writings of Moses. They were religiously Jewish, kind of, but they were ethnically Gentile. So Jews really had no time for these people. But Jesus has all the time in the world for this woman. In fact, he puts aside his other plans. He sends the disciples away so that he can be alone with her. He has tried to bring the gospel to the Jews, and now he's going to give the Gentiles a try. This territory where he meets with her is known today as modern-day Palestine, hands down history's most disputed real estate. Historically, this is where Abraham made his first sacrifice to the Lord. This is the place where the promise of land was first given in Genesis 12. And also significant to this location is wells. <laughs> um, not really part of our everyday reality, although the subject of water is apropos given all the snow that's on our streets today. But wells were significant locations in scripture. Uh, Genesis 24, Abraham's servant meets Rachel, sorry, Rebecca, who would become Isaac's wife. Um, five chapters later in Genesis 29, Jacob meets Rachel at a well will be his future wife. Exodus 2, Moses met Zipporah, Genesis 16, Hagar, an outcast similar to this Samaritan woman. She meets the angel of the Lord at a desert spring. So is this rather loaded tradition of women meeting with men at wells. And we begin to wonder, is Jesus the bridegroom searching for a Gentile bride, metaphorically speaking? Jesus, the Son of God, goes out into the wilderness seeking the lost sheep and is betrothing himself to her. He wants her to know him and to worship him. So this woman was not religiously orthodox in Jewish terms. She was racially Gentile. She was an adulterer. She was not married to the man she was living with. Um, that's considered adultery in that first century culture. And moreover, she was known to be changing her partners over and over again. But Jesus decides to sit by the well and wait for her. And at high noon, we're told, she comes choosing the hottest time of the day because she knew no one else would be out drawing water at that time. She wanted to avoid the obvious stares of judgmental people, I'm sure. In fact, archeological discovery tells us there were other water sources closer to her town that she could have gone to that day. But instead, the Holy Spirit superintends her going at that time to that place where Jesus is there waiting for her. She's at the bottom of the social ladder, but Jesus goes to her for help, asking her for a drink, placing himself before her in a position of need. And she is shocked at his request. You are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. How can you talk to me and ask me for a drink? His response is, if you only knew. She's trying to warn him of her sin, her uncleanliness. He's violating a bunch of social religious rules. He is warning her of his loving holiness. If you only knew who I am, he says. If you only knew, you would be amazed. And it's true. We don't really know Jesus, not completely. She, as well as us, we don't really know the extent of who Jesus is. And by inviting him into our lives, 
we are saying yes to both Jesus and to the Spirit. For Jesus and the Holy Spirit go together. They are eternal partners with God the Father. And just as Jesus is God's free gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' free gift to the world. Jesus is the living bread, and the Spirit is living water. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? We've talked about this a bit, but it's always good to reconsider and to refresh. The Spirit of God is God's personal presence. The Holy Spirit delivers the spiritual benefits that Jesus wants to give us. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God made local in us. We cannot conjure up the Spirit. We cannot self-actualize it. The Spirit is the gift of the personal presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is God coming close to us. Now, I don't know what your experience of the Holy Spirit is. Maybe not much. Um, maybe a whole lot. I don't know. But in the church I grew up in, although it was an Anglican church, it was also a charismatic church. And when we use that term, it just means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a regular part of our being together and our worship. So this meant that we sometimes had speaking in tongues. Um, it also meant that after communion, we would have a laying on of hands and prayer ministry. And it meant that each week there was an expectation that God was present and something unexpected might happen while we gathered together. But we always understood that this gift of God was coupled with faithful preaching. The Holy Spirit and God's word go hand in hand. They work together because the two confirm each other. God's word is preached and the spirit is received by those who ask. To think of it another way, Jesus is who we worship and the spirit is how we worship. So what do they discuss next in their conversation? Let's take a look at verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them is a spring of well, welling, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what does this mean? Here by the water of Jacob's well, Jesus is saying he can provide something that will forever satisfy our thirst forever satisfy our longings. Well, that's a pretty big sell because <laughs> we long for a lot of things. Um, today being Valentine's Day, this is a day marked by longing, isn't it? We long for love, for companionship, for affection, for friendship. And Jesus is saying he has something that will fill all of those desires. He is saying that the Holy Spirit can and will fill up those places of desire so that we no longer want for anything. We see some of this demonstrated in the gospel accounts. We read how the Spirit was resident within Jesus, and as he walked around being with people, people could feel a change. Um, people would be healed. All kinds of miraculous things would take place. He is telling her that this free gift of the Spirit will bring a satisfaction to her life that she could not dream of. 
And that sounds amazing. <laughs> Could God satisfy all of our internal longings? I don't know about you, I have a lot of them, <laughs> especially now when we are in a season of such deprivation. And to be honest, I don't always go to God with these kinds of asks. I have expectations of my family and my friends that they will fulfill my needs somehow. There's a lot of talk about self-care that we would provide for ourselves. The expectation that I'm in charge of providing for my own desires. But how do I allow God to care for me? Do I go to God to ask him to fulfill all of the desires I have in my heart? Valentine's is nice. Galentine's is quite a trendy thing right now and is also very nice. But what if we took some of that longing that we feel and brought it to the Lord? What about presenting to him our disappointments and our desires and saying, Lord, please fill this space. Fill in the missing parts of my life. One of my favorite authors, Frederick Bruner, says this. He says, questions in the Gospels are beliefs exhaling. That means when we ask something of God, we are moving towards him in faith. Through her questions, this woman is moving towards Jesus. And whenever we ask a question of God, we are saying, come Lord, <laughs> I want to believe. I want more of you in my life. Let's ask God to satisfy and fill our places of need within us. That's the first thing I want to encourage you to do today. Let's take a look, um, verses 11 and 12. This woman is getting a little bit confused. When Jesus talks about living water, she thinks literally, not metaphorically. She thinks he means fresh spring water, meaning drinkable, clean water. She does not understand Jesus at first, but you can see progressively with each question, the truth becomes clearer and clearer. Jesus is offering this living water, not to someone who is perfect, but to someone who admits their need. And we all have that in common. Verses 13 and 14, he answers her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he says, this initial gift, once taken in, becomes a fountain and then becomes a source of living water for others. You know, for most of us, at best, we may hope to be of help to some people, to make some kind of small difference in the world. But here Jesus is saying, not only will he provide for us, repairing our old self, but his gift, his spirit, is the promise of help also for others. As we receive the Holy Spirit, as we receive and take in that gift, it then becomes a gift to others. So God's rivers of living water flow from God himself to Jesus, to the Spirit, to us, and then out into the world. This is a social gift. And once we taste this gift from God, 
we know who we can go to for more of what we need. We can keep on being filled with the Spirit day after day after day. We can keep asking. Now, I don't know how you were doing. Um, January felt very, very long to me. <laughs> it kind of felt like winter started in November, and I don't know, what are we, month four of that right now? Something like that. Um, but I definitely can feel that refreshment from the Holy Spirit is the kind of thing I could use right now. I feel exhausted from months and months of restrictions, um, this sense of kind of impending fear. We don't really know what's happening. We don't know when this season will end. Um, we're sort of exhausted from this constant change and adaptation to a new reality. Things change again, restrictions change, we have to adapt again. There's a sense of um, uncertainty for the future, I would say. So what better time to be asking for more of God's spirit to be resident within us? We need to be filled with God's presence day after day, and this text is encouraging us to do that. We need God to fill the places of need inside our lives. So this is the last section now. Let's um, look at verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is coming from the Jews. And here's the important part. Yet a time is coming and now has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So, what is all this talk? Well, Samaritans and Jews were consumed with this question. Where is the proper place to worship the God of Israel? The way they answered that question revealed their own history and religious beliefs. But it also reveals their historic conflict. As I said earlier, Samaritans were occupying Jewish territory in the north, and the Jews had the temple in the south in Jerusalem, which the Samaritans could not enter. Ironically, what Jesus is offering her renders that question irrelevant. True worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. Therefore, location no longer matters. So it's totally fine that you're at home today, even though it's not our preference. <laughs> it's totally fine that I'm here at Church of Our Lord with Jacob and Noah, <laughs> although I wish more people were here. But God is present to us where we are right here, right now, you at home and me here. Jesus is saying that because of the Holy Spirit, God is available and his presence is available to everyone everywhere. All true worshipers can come to the Father, regardless of ethnic or religious background, regardless of location. 
the Holy Spirit allows everyone to come to Christ. We all have full access to him. If we ask, the Spirit will come into our hearts and bringing the presence of God close to us. This is the missing piece of this spiritual puzzle for this woman. Previously, she did not have access to the whole truth of God. She also did not have the Spirit, but now Jesus offers her both, truth and Spirit. There are no barriers between her and God. Scripture tells us that God the Father is seeking those who continually worship him, and all the members of the Trinity are pursuing us to do so. The living God is actively and urgently at work in the world, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Worship is not just something that we do. God is pursuing us. And when we worship, we're reacting to his invitation. God comes down to us. He fills us with his presence. He lifts us up to himself and encourages us out into the wider world. As Christians, we worship a seeking father, mediated by Jesus and enabled by the Spirit. So my final question for you is, which of those do you feel you're lacking today? Do you feel sort of distant from God? Do you feel like it's been a long time since you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit? All we need to do is ask, and God will fulfill our need. So let's do that right now. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would come, that you would fill each of us no matter where we are. If we're in our homes, if we're in our rooms, outside sledding on the snow today, Lord, would you come and be present to all of us right where we are. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill those dry places within us those places of longing, those places of loneliness. Lord, would you supply what we need? Would you fill us with all we need, all that we feel we're lacking? Minister your grace and your presence to us, Lord, we pray. And we pray that that living water, as it refreshes us, that it would go out and refresh others as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ reveal in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca.